0: Welcome back, my name is Maddie.
1: I'm Scout, and we are the sisters behind OK Says Podcast. Uh, You know what I think we should do, Mads? Oh, OK, what? Yeah, hijacking the episode. You know, I feel as if this, I always find this kind of annoying, but we're going to do it anyways. I feel as if we have some new listeners in the sisterhood, and I just want to give them a formal welcome into this wonderful space on the internet and the podcast app on Spotify, wherever you listen to the situation. And I want to thank them for joining us. And I hope you like us. Do you welcome
0: to-, to the welcome to the organized chaos. Um, you're going to we're you're gonna love it here. We're awesome. Oh <laughs> my god. Well, yeah. Well, let's give a little let's give a little backstory. Um, okay. Skow and I are sisters IRL, hence the name OK Sis. Um, we grew this- up in San Diego. We did grow up in San Diego in a, a Jewish household, and so there's going to be a lot of oyveying on a this sh- podcast. A lot of schvitzing. <laughs> More schvitzing than is necessary. Let's just yeah. say that much. Definitely. And
1: and I, um, Scout, still live in San Diego. I am older than Maddie by three years. I will be 29 this year, and Maddie is 26. Old as fuck.
0: <laughs> old as fuck.
1: So upsetting. that's
0: all of that. Ages don't matter. Um, it's just uh it's just a number. I mean, sort of. Um, but anyways, Mads <laughs> lives Maddie, in LA. well let's Okay, well, let's give a little bio. My name is Maddie, and I was born in San Diego, California. I moved to Los Angeles when I went to USC, where I got a degree in business administration. And then when I left USC, I decided to stay in Los Angeles because I believe it's one of the best cities in the entire world. And I serendipitously fell into the tech space, which is where I work now. I've worked at three startups since I graduated college, and then I started this beautiful podcast because, as you can tell, I have a very performative nature and personality, and that is because I grew up doing theater, yes. It's a big surprise to all. I was a theater kid, which is the reason I can project.
1: Wait, I don't know what the fuck that was. But
0: the reason I can project.
1: You know, I have a headache after
0: listening to that. I think the new listeners just just turned this
1: off. I think they just turned this off.
0: No, I gave a resume, guys. This is my resume. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Can we just talk about LinkedIn? I fucking hate
1: LinkedIn. Dude, you know, like LinkedIn.
0: It is my least preferred um, social network. Yeah, but it's, like, where
1: all this shit is popping right now. Like, there's so much opportunity on LinkedIn. Don't ask me what opportunity. But I just know that LinkedIn is, like, very undervalued and very underutilized. Therefore, you can reach a lot of people on LinkedIn.
0: Should we get? Wait, can we get like a LinkedIn page? Should we do it? Okay, so says LinkedIn page—it'll just oh, be us too. We should.
1: One of my clients is a LinkedIn um, expert. I can ask her for all the tips on how to set Amazing. this up. Amazing. We'll be we'll be thriving Amazing. on LinkedIn. Amazing.
0: We'll be so professional. You know, people just kind of w- seeing our opportunities on LinkedIn left and right. Oi. Okay. Anyways, okay. Well, um, skim your resume. Oh yeah. I just did the 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 skim podcast goes. Skim your resume. Okay, I'll
1: skim my resume. I'm scout. As we mentioned, I grew up in San Diego. I went to four or five different colleges. I have lost track at this point. I never graduated. Um, I have lived in the startup world. I started my own magazine at the age of 22 and sold it on Newstons and Barnes and Noble across the country with Halsey on the cover, which was awesome. Um, I've also been in digital media startups. Um, I did one tech startup. And now I run my own agency called Scouts Agency, which is a podcast and traditional PR agency um, focusing on female voices. And I live with the bipolar disorder. So I talk a lot about mental health on the podcast and how I still show up every single day of my life, regardless of how depressed I am
0: yeah bipolar with a capital b that's for sure and collectively both scout and i love to read we're big bibliophiles and we are um in pursuit of being polymathic which means that you are you have a diverse set of interests which is why we have a section on this podcast called current fixations where we talk about our current fixation of the week and something that we're obsessed with that week because Let's be honest, we're obsessed with like a one too many things every other week every week. And um we're skincare fanatics and I love okay. Bill Hater and I love day- dressing. Yeah,
1: one day you'll have sex with Bill Hader. Okay.
0: Well, I- <laughs> <laughs> well okay, yeah, let's put it out. the end. Yeah, I was gonna say don't deny <laughs> that manifestation. manifestation. I mean, Ben and I, my boyfriend, we do He's have He's your hall pass. He, Bale hater is my hall pass, so yes, it, let's manifest it. Let's put it out into the universe. Let's see what comes back. Uh, he's newly single. Like, you know, sisters just put out, like, all the good vibes for me. I feel happen. like
1: if my husband and I had a hall pass, I feel like I'd get to, like, the room of the person I had my hall pass with, and then I'd be like, eh, 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 and freeze, and be like, don't touch me, oh, yeah. and then I'd run away.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I, would, I don't think I would ever be able to go through with it. It's no. just, it, it's a beautiful fantasy. And honestly, it, it keeps, it keeps even your be, imagination going, you know? Exactly. It wouldn't even have be as good as my fantasy and my imagination. So no. you know what? Like, it's just going to stay there and one day I will believe that I, you know, he, Bill Hader like shows up in my dreams, and that's all I can ask for. I think it's just like we'll keep it there. Shows but I would in like your to meet dreams
1: him. shows up in your dreams. Anyways, shows up in your dreams. I'm kind of. I feel like that intro is annoying, and I apologize, but that's
0: okay. Why? I don't I know. think it was very informative and um, very us. It feels very, you know, on brand. So I put some makeup on today. Can you see how good my natural makeup look is going? Jesus. So, you don't think I I look good? You look great, but Scout and I don't do makeup. We don't um, ascribe to the makeup look. So I guess what you're saying is you're just...
1: I just look flawless.
0: Uh, (laughs) Yep. I look flawless, baby. Okay, well... Anyways. uh, Glad that this is a, uh, you know audio medium that no one can see you, you on. You always say that. Anyways, so I well, last because night- because you always are like,
1: look at this. I'm like, yeah, because no one else can fucking see what you're saying. Oh, sorry, guys. Anyways, join our secret Facebook group, OK Sisters, to see photos of me that are embarrassing and ugly. Um, So last night, I was watching this rom-com, and what's it called, Mets? Always be my maybe,
0: maybe you're my maybe. Something about maybe. Um, It with- is called- Always be my maybe. Okay, with okay. um Wait, release no. date, release date, two thousand nineteen. So I'm watching this rom com with
1: Ali Wong and the guy from Fresh Off the Boat. Don't know his name. And
0: um amazing. Okay, well, first of all, let's uh, Randall Park. Hold okay, on. you look that up. While yeah, I. Randall Park. T- Randall Park. That's his name. Randall
1: Park. Okay, yep, so Randall Park it. and Ali Wong. Huge fan of Ali Wong. And I'm loving this rom-com, right? I'm like, oh my God, I discovered a new rom-com. I can't wait to tell Mads there's a new rom-com on Netflix. I'm ahead of the trend. I'm on the pulse. I know all the shit, strong female lead, Asian lead. This is awesome. So I text Mads and I'm like, oh my God, you have to watch this new rom-com on Netflix by Ali Wong. Like, you're gonna love it. And she
0: burst in my bubble. Apparently it's been out for over a year, well over a year. And um, I'm late to the game as always. Oh my God, when you texted me that I started, I just scoffed. There was like an audible scoff. I was like, Scout, you are just like so behind. How did you even think that this was a new rom-com? Where were you? Like this has been the talk of the town rom-com. Like I don't Who's understand. has been talking about it? I've never even seen it anywhere all right, you're obviously not an Ali Wong stan, which this is also just like inspiring me to go back and watch her stand-ups, which are so, just- So I watched her stand-up and I watched them
1: in perfect order. So the first one I watched was when she was pregnant and she's like, I can't fucking wait to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm going to go to brunch with my girls. I'm going to finally stop working. Life's going to be fucking great. And then her next stand-up is after she gives birth. And she's like- Somebody get me back to work.
0: I fucking can't sit in my house any longer with this child. It's so funny. I Well she's I pregnant. She's pregnant in the second one as well. I watched one where she's pregnant and one where she's not. That's the No, no, I got. you didn't. No, you didn't. She was nope. pregnant in both. She has two she has two specials and she is pregnant, visibly pregnant in both.
1: Well, one of them she was has not yet been a mother and the other she
0: was yes. a mother but she was pregnant with the second child. It's just a fun, it's like a funny thing. She says it in the second one too. She's like, well, I didn't like obviously plan this, but here I am, another special and I'm pregnant. Oh, and
1: she wore that leopard dress. Not a good move.
0: How are are you like- The leopard dress is not a good move. I'm a little concerned, I'm (laughs) a little concerned. Like you are so non-observant. How do you not like process and understand and see things? Like I'm just so concerned for you, Scout.
1: (laughs) All I remember is she was wearing this mini leopard dress, which girl, that was wasn't, the first it?
0: One. wasn't it? Wasn't it? You are, okay, you're just, all right. Well, you know what? You get pregnant and try to fucking wear a ball gown or something on a stand up space. She's trying to be comfortable. A leopard mini dress?
1: Who wears yeah, a fucking her, leopard, leopard mini va- dress?
0: She shows her vagina.
1: Unless it's like Dolce and Gabbana.
0: Okay. All right. Let's, let's move on swiftly from this, please. Oh, okay. Um,
1: let's do some housekeeping. If you have super fallen in love with us and not turned us off yet, thinking that we're annoying people, um, we have a secret Facebook group. Okay. Sisters.
0: I just feel, I don't know. I'm, I'm self-doubting myself. You you understand that you were the one that started this. I know. But then I was like, wow. Eh,
1: Eh. Anyways, um, so we have a secret Facebook group, OK Sisters. It's popping it off. And it's been really fun. There's a bunch of girls on there. They chat. Love it. You can talk to us. Love it. And then we have a Instagram, OK Sisters Podcast. And there's a link tree, which is a fun little app. And you can click on all of our stuff. We have merch with Girl Gang, the label that says support your sisters. We've got... Sweatsuits. We've got bucket hats, totes, mugs, the whole shebang. And we have a newsletter that comes out every Monday that you can subscribe at the link in our bio on our Instagram, or all of this is in the show notes. And you can rate, review, and subscribe. Woohoo! Or text us to a friend who's like lonely. I don't know.
0: Yes, I I think these these are qualifications for um, if you have a friend that is a woman that is a rad entrepreneur or just lifestyle into lifestyle and pop culture and running a business and just like overall being the best version of a person that she can be that is who you send okay sis to we want those people in the sisterhood okay yeah you don't have to run your own business you can just be rad um you can yeah. run your own internal business,:
1: Yeah, your emotional mm-hmm. processing mm-hmm.
0: business. <laughs> wow, that was like that was like so profound. So You profound. can be the CEO of your own life. Fuck off. This intro was gone <laughs> off the rails. You just know what? But to let you guys in. This is, this is the content that people need. You know what I mean? To let
1: you guys in on a little secret, every time before we do our intro, ads, and I talk about what should we talk about today. And today we said, fuck it, let's just talk. So this is what you're getting. No outline, nothing, which makes Maddie super nervous and really out of her comfort zone. But I think I personally thrive on the spot
0: sure but you also just completely doubted yourself in uh the the task that you gave us of just of introducing ourselves once mm-hmm. again and then you completely doubted yourself and thought that it was a terrible idea so now this is why we have an outline so that we don't we think through these terrible ideas before we execute okay
1: i think everyone's going to comment in our review section love the intro of this episode hint hint okay. maybe people should do that um, okay. let's also, talk about, oh, um, more news, more news, more
0: news. Um, if you have some issues and you want us to give you advice, you can email us at scout and at gmail.com for a ask a sister portion of the pod. Um, additionally, yeah, additionally, what, what else is no, there? No, that is, that's uh, the wrong word.
1: Comment.
0: There was one thing, but I, you I forgot. Yeah, let's Okay. You know, That's great. On. Let's talk
1: about this episode cuz it's really beautiful and I really think this is this episode's going to really help a lot of people in the current times right now.
0: Yes. So we interviewed Mina B. I first came into contact with her because she did a Instagram takeover of girls night in, which is an incredible newsletter and organization that I've been affiliated with. Um, and she is a very large, like self care queen. She's a psychotherapist and, um, she uses her platform to promote, social justice, and mental health, and uh, provides tips to her community, and she's you know, really created this vibrant community on Instagram. Um, she is just a stellar human being, and we caught up with her obviously during quarantine. She talked about all of her routines and little tips that she's been doing as she's getting through this time. Yeah, she also talked a lot about mental
1: health, especially when it comes to women of color. And she also said that she carved out time, even though she is a therapist, to take care of herself. So if you are deep in social activism, deep in holding space for others, deep in the healing world of other people, like, no, it's okay to take space for yourself because that's only going to help promote the work that you are doing and move you forward. So we hope you love this episode, sisters.
0: Enjoy. Enjoy. Okay,
1: sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body
0: approach. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style.
1: Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSYS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, dot com promo code OKSYS. Okay, AYSIS.
0: Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Mina B is a writer, author of The Rivers Are Coming, and a licensed psychotherapist based in New York City. She's a contributing writer for the wellness blog Well and Good, and her writings have been seen in various publications. Mina believes that advocacy, social justice, and mental health intersect, and she provides her audiences with mental health education and practical tools for self care. Without further ado, Mina.
2: Hi. Thank you for having me. Hello, hello.
0: Thank you for coming on. So I was first introduced to you because um, you did a takeover on Girls' Night In, which I used to run one of their book clubs in Los Angeles. So I'm a huge Girls' Night In fan and so therefore became a fan of yours because you did this incredible takeover um, obviously highlighting a lot of you know your kind of morning routines and self-care practices so we were we are going to get into all of that because we're huge self-care and mental health advocates over here and Mads was
1: saying before are you in New York yes I'm in New York City awesome how is it over there
2: um, you know, it's it's great. Right now it's hot and I'm enjoying every moment of it. Of course, you know, with everything that's going on with the virus, just adjusting to being able to go back outside, but I'm very much happy for the summer right now. Awesome. Yes, I hear that. I was just in Palm Springs
1: and it was 109. So, um, okay. Oh. Yeah, it was really fucking hot, which my current fixation has something to do with this. So I'll just jump in and start my current yes. fixation. So, um, the second I realized that I was going to Palm Springs, it was an impromptu decision that I made after two glasses of wine and I booked a non-refundable hotel because it's really easy just to go like that swipe. I'm, this is, I'm showing you a swipe mo- movement, movement. And so then my dad was like, what's the weather? And I was like, I don't even know. I did not look at, I, I have no idea. And it was 109. And so I said, well, how am I supposed to drink? Sauvignon Blanc by the pool in 109 degree weather and so I purchased a brewmate wine tumbler Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I got the pink one because it was very last minute and that was the only one they had it's not my favorite shade of pink but like it'll do I really want the black one um and you put the you put your wine in it and it keeps it cold like in 109 degree weather I was at the pool for hours and my wine was cold and they have the little individual cups and then you could also get the big one, so you can pour the whole bottle of wine. Like if you have like four people, whatever, you pour or,
0: or, or one just one, yourself. One person,
1: like I don't know, your jam. And you can put the whole bottle of wine in, and then you can just keep pouring it into your little tumblers and it
0: stays cold for hours. This is a summer staple. Yes. 100%. Um, I need to purchase this because I plan on going to the beach quite frequently, and you know, you gotta have some cold cold beverages by the beach.
1: One should note that it is illegal to drink on the beach, but that is
2: okay.
0: That's why we have it in our brewmates.
2: Right. They're not going to know. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Oh, God. Okay. Amazing. I love that current fixation. Okay. So mine, Um. recently, everyone knows I'm a big uh, exercise person, and every, we, you know, we've all been transitioning to at-home workouts during the quarantine, and so I recently discovered... A person by the name of Chloe Ting, she is on YouTube and essentially she has these ab workouts and she's like the ab queen, like she is everywhere. If you wanna get abs and do ab exercises, you go to Chloe Ting and her whole program is free and they're literally just 10 minute ab exercises and I kind of tag them on to the end of, of my normal workouts just to get that, you know, little spice of abs and I am just so obsessed with her as a human. Like I started following her on Instagram. I'm now on her TikTok. She is just like this adorable ball of energy and she's so stoked about the community that she's brought on and I think people love to show their results and they really do see incredible results from taking her, her little, uh, YouTube classes. So I highly recommend if you haven't dabbled into the Chloe Ting, uh, universe, she, she is quite the character and her, her workouts are superb. So I, I will never have lower abs because I truly believe that abs are
1: made in the kitchen. And so I don't understand the point of doing ab exercises. If I'm going to eat ramen at night, it just doesn't make sense to me. So Um, I'm chilling with my little, like little belly fat that I have. It's like a nice little cushion on my body and, um,
0: yeah, but that sounds great. She sounds awesome. Yeah. She's rad. All right, Mina, what is your current fixation?
2: Good question. So I'm going to follow you down the YouTube rabbit hole. (laughs) And I recently found, um, this woman named cupcake by Jenna, and she's actually based in London but my fixation since the pandemic started is i've been baking a lot so i didn't even realize how much i really love baking i guess it's because i'm just so used to being busy i'll just order takeout get a quick meal but now that i'm home all day i'm just like i really want something sweet and so i'm like the ab stuff probably isn't going to work out for me either And so I kind of went down the YouTube rabbit hole and I found Cupcake by Jenna. And I just, re- she has a bunch of cupcake shops based in London. I don't know if she has any here in the U.S. I want to try to look that up in case for when this is over, I can try to find me a cupcake. <laughs> but I just really love her stuff. I love how she, you know, teaches all these different lessons on like different buttercreams and like, you know, how to stack a layer cake and just do all these things. And I'm literally in my house. Baking layered cakes, and I'm like, "Who am I? I'm baking layered cakes." <laughs> yeah, that's
1: a that's a new uh, 2.0 version of yourself. If right, you're baking layered cakes. Right.
2: <laughs> I'm like, forget the cupcakes. I'll do the layered cakes. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I just I love. I have just gotten this newfound obsession and and love for YouTube. Like the personality, the personalities you can find on there, and just the breadth of content. Like. Just how in depth you could get and just, you could go down a rabbit hole. It is, it's such a great platform. I love that. I love that for you. Baking. Yes.
1: I feel like we could all just like say that we, I don't watch YouTube, but I just started because I'm doing my hair curly. And so I'm trying to figure out different ways to style it. And so I watched this whole episode and they're like these foam roller things. I don't know what they're called. And you like put them in, whatever. I was like, you could literally just pick a topic and graduate from the University of YouTube. (laughs) <laughs> the universe of you do. Okay, anyways, let's talk about Ooh. mental health. Let's talk about mental health. The best topic. Mina, we're all about this here. So let's talk about let's talk about how you, first you're a licensed psychotherapist. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that and how you kind of went from or how you continue to go from psychotherapy to kind of explaining and, and expanding your mission onto social media.
2: Yeah. Um, So it kind of just happened by accident. (laughs) I started sharing words on social media a few years ago. I think also uh, other people kind of paved the way. And I started to notice that, you know, people are actually gravitating toward this type of content on social media. And I was already writing. So that's where my focal point was. Um, I had a blog and I started my blog while I was actually in grad school. Because I'm like, now when I'm done, like, what's next? Just trying to figure out, you know, at 24, what I was going to do next, you know, different things like that, especially when you're graduating and you're like, all right, this is it. I'm heading the real, real world now, you know? Um, and so for me, I, at the time I was in grad school, starting my blog, but I also was in therapy myself and so it was just like a very great intersect where i got the ability to know what it felt like to you know learn the the ropes of being a clinician while also learning to be the client because i was also in therapy and then i was writing about that process through my blog and it started to gain a lot of traction and so therefore once i saw that you know people were writing this type of content on instagram I was just like, well, you know what? A lot of people are reading my blog. Maybe I'll just put that content from my blog onto my Instagram. And I just kept being consistent with it. And now I'm where I am with the audience that I have. Um, But to go backwards a little about my mental health journey, a lot of this started with myself because I struggled with mental health pretty much my whole childhood. When I was 16, I became suicidal and I started cutting as a way to deal with my depression and my anxiety and i remember going to my school um, guidance counselor and that was pretty much kind of like my first time in therapy and then once i graduated high school um i found my own therapist and so that's pretty much how the track came for me i feel like i kind of have like the typical therapist story of like, I have my own struggles with mental health, but for me, it was very important for me to know, like one, heal my broken wounds and heal my inner child and heal all those different things I was struggling with before I started to be a clinician and reaching other people because I didn't want to project my hurt. Um, and have that counter-transference in a room between me and a client. And so that's how all of this intersected. And then again, like once I started to see online that wellness and mental health really was becoming something that was becoming less stigmatized, but more important, that's when I started to transition my blog to my Instagram. And that's where I am today. So
1: I I started cutting at the age of 14 Mm because I was deeply depressed and I, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and, and still identify as that. And so I, I'm really interested because there was a point in my life where I said, I want to become a therapist because I've been in the rooms. I know what works and I know what's triggering. And like, I know what kind of person I want to be. I've gone through like eight therapists at this point in my life, yeah. but I couldn't disconnect from, I couldn't imagine disconnecting from the patient in the sense that I felt as if if I walked into that room and someone was hurting, their energy would permeate my energy and then I wouldn't know what's mine and what's theirs. And therefore, mm. my mental health would suffer extremely. How do you, as someone who has, th- then that begs to differ, should a therapist have mental health issues and know what's going on? Because I think they do, or should they not? So they can detach. You know, it's like an interesting dynamic. But how do you go into those rooms and help people and then walk out and, and say, this is me and that's them?
2: Yeah, that definitely takes a lot of work to be very honest. You know, when I first graduated, I've been in the field now for eight years, but where I am now within my, my career, I can definitely say I've seen a lot of growth because when I did get into the field, I did recognize that that counter-transference really was present in the room. And it did take a while for me to learn how to detach and walk out the office and not carry those issues home. And as time went on, one, the importance of supervision. And so it's very typical in a therapy world for you to have supervision with someone who is licensed so that they can be, they're, they're not your therapist, but they have the same therapeutic style so that you can process your emotions with them, with your supervisor. So your supervisor can be giving you the skills to, number one, talk about what's happening for you personally, but also how that's being translated in the room with you and your clients. So I always feel like that's very vital and important for anyone who wants to be on this journey of becoming a social worker or becoming a therapist, just ensuring that you have a supervisor or you hire a supervisor to help you on this journey so that you can process it. I think the other thing too that I had to start practicing daily was self-care, right? When I leave the office, what are the things that I need to replenish my cup? Because a lot of the time, depending on what you hear or if it's triggering for you, that can really start to mess with your emotions. It can really re-traumatize you or become a trigger, right? And so how am I number one going to my supervisor and having a supervision with them. But at the same time, what am I doing to practice self-care? And so I started to engage in those practices where I made it a habit where after work, right i would like have a routine so i would come home and i'm either going to watch the show or i'm going to do some writing if i find that i'm coming home with a lot of heaviness i'm going to write those things out so that next time i'm in supervision i can process it a lot of this is just like the whole processing field of those emotions that are coming up for you finding someone in an outlet to deal with those feelings. And again, it takes time because right now I'm honestly, people ask me that now and I'm like, I really have to think deeply about it because I realize I actually don't carry a lot of my clients' issues at all. Like honestly, when I'm done with my clients and I'm out the office, I have no thought about the things that we talked about. And um, it's, it's not, I'm not carrying those wounds, but I, I know I can say eight years ago I was in a very different space.
0: It's a lot of self control and self restraint that that needs to happen. Um, and you mentioned, you know, self care and really prioritizing that. What? How did you get to a space? Or what are some like go-to practices that you have developed that, you know, and again, I, I, we we're very careful on this podcast not to be like prescriptive and we don't want to say like, if you do this, you know, this is the formula for self-care. It's very individualistic and it is very personalized to each person. But I do want you to share some tips and practices that you've implemented to maybe inspire others or if someone else is looking for other uh, practices to implement their routine.
2: Yeah. So for me, my self-care, and I agree with everything that you said, there is no formula. So I want everyone to know that there is no, first there's no right or wrong. Cause I think that's also a myth that self-care looks one way. And if you're not doing it this way, then you're failing at it. You can't fail out at self-care. Um, so I just want to share that it's no, there's no right or wrong. And like you said, it's individualistic, right? Which is why self and self care is very important, right? What are your needs? And how can you meet your needs? Because what you all need for self care might be different for me. And that's okay. Like I said, there's no right or wrong way to go about it. For me, I've recognized that from childhood, I've always loved writing and reading. So even through adulthood, writing and reading are probably one of my number one forms of self-care. I love to write. When I was a child, I would like, we call them vision boards now. But when I was a kid, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I would just like cut words out of a magazine and make collages. And I would say that word says brave, and I want to learn how to be brave. And so I'm going to stick this to my poster, right? And that's something that started to translate as I got older, where when I look back, I'm like, those are, that was me building affirmations. And so for me, writing, sometimes I will do free flow writing, which is basically just writing out all the thoughts as they come to your head. Or sometimes I like to do theme-based writing, where I'll just write down all the things. I'll do a gratitude theme. I'll just write down everything I'm grateful for or I'll do an affirmation thing where I'm just doing affirmations to build my self-esteem. So those are different practices that I do. What my actual regimen is when I wake up in the morning, I like to uh, read a quote off my wall. So I have an affirmation wall. And I, all I did was take a bunch of quotes that resonate with me. I wrote them down on sticky pads on sticky notes, and I just stuck them all over my wall. And when I wake up in the morning, I just choose a quote of the day. And I use that as a way to reju- uh, reju- rejuvenate and really pour into myself. And then at nighttime is when I like to do um, my mindfulness, my deep breathing, things like that as a way. Because I feel like for me, self-care is very vital to start my day, but it's also very vital as a way to self-reflect for how my day went before I go to sleep, right? Because even sleep in itself is a form of self-care. And I've learned to recognize even the way we dream, that kind of shows us what's ha- what we're carrying. Right. And so I like to make space in the morning. And I also like to space, make space at night to do my writing. And at night I'll do like deep breathing, my mindfulness practices and things like that. And throughout the day, I just find myself doing self-care in different ways. I might disconnect and put my phone in a different room, especially now that I'm home all day. I work full time and I'm also in my house. So I have to find ways to carve out space in my home so that I don't feel like my, my house is now a work environment, <laughs> You know, so I've had to reframe what self-care looks like for me, where I've zoned out my spaces where, okay, this is where my, my designated workspace is, but my living room is my designated chill space. So when I come in here, I'm relaxed. I'm going to put my phone across the room so no one's disturbing me. I'm going to watch TV. I'm going to read a book. Those types of things help rejuvenate me.
1: Can you step by step walk us through your morning and night routine?
2: Yeah. So in the morning, um, you know, I wake up pretty much like around 7 a.m. And at the time, I'll probably read like a Bible verse off my phone and then I'll get out of bed and I'll start my quote. That's when I read my quote of the day and I do like my basic things. I am someone who I have to wake up, brush my teeth, shower, make my bed. Those are things that are very important to me. For me, to my atmosphere is a reflection of what's happening inside of me. And so if my house is chaotic, it's going to uh, make me feel chaotic on the inside. Or if I'm feeling chaotic on the inside, it's going to reflect around me. So I like to make sure that my space is clean. So like I said, I do those daily tasks. I get up then after that nourishment i eat breakfast right breakfast is very very vital for my intellectual self-care emotional self-care all of that and then i pretty much have to start my work day and so i like i said i have my house zoned out so my kitchen area is pretty much what i made my designated workspace because i don't have an office so my kitchen area is where i have my laptop my snacks, (laughs) right? Because it's in the kitchen. Um, All the things that I need to, um, you know, do the work that I need. And throughout the day, especially because I'm working from home, I'm very, very critical about lunch. I take my lunch because my hour is my hour. I deserve that hour. It's mine. Um, and so during that time, I actually will just di- do something that's very disconnected from work. So I might use that time to read, or I actually might just lounge and watch some TV. I've been working for a few hours. Let me do something fun for myself. Right. And then when I'm done with work, I typically, you know, eat my dinner, another form of nourishment. And then around that time, to be very honest, it ranges. So sometimes I'll call a friend. Sometimes I'll do some writing. Sometimes I'll watch TV. I'll take a shower to like wash the day away. And then when I get in my bed, that's when I pretty much do my deep breathing. I have an app that I've tried a variety of apps for um, meditation. You know, there's Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer. There's a bunch of them. I use an app called Relax Melodies. I actually use White Noise to fall asleep. And I like that app because you can integrate the white noise with the meditation. So when the meditation is over, the white noise continues to play and I can just fall asleep as I'm doing the meditation and still hear the white noise in the background. And so that's kind of how I, and some nights I might choose to write, some nights I might not write, but I'm always doing some sort of deep breathing exercise. And then I get in my bed. Wow. And typically, I'll say I get in bed like around, depending on how hard of a day it was, I'll say, "All right, I'm gonna get give myself more me time and get in my bed like around 10 o'clock." But I try to aim to get in my bed by between like nine, nine thirty.
0: God, what a see, but it feels <laughs> like so wholesome. Like I know that might seem like a lot, but it feels like every step of the way you're being in extremely intentional and mindful. And I think just like being in tune with yourself, the whole like, I'm taking my lunch break and I might watch TV, that's a form of self-care. And again, understanding that it's not right or wrong, it's just in that moment, that is what I feel like I need to do to replenish, which I think takes a long time for individuals to learn about themselves. Yeah, yeah, and
2: yeah. I think like we've been programmed to believe that we're not deserving of that time. right? Right? We have to be keep, we have to keep busy. And especially now that we're home, depending on those who are working full time, it's like, there's this line that's getting crossed where it's like, I used to work nine to five. Now I'm working nine to nine. And it's like, no, there's work around There's boundary. Boundaries are very important to my self-care practices. And so that's why I'm very strict about taking my lunch when I take my lunch. And then when I'm off, I'm off. I close the laptop. I X out my work emails. If you if you contact me, I'm not gonna get back to you until nine a.m. the next day. (laughs) You know? (laughs) No, that I mean that's so healthy.
0: So um, you're also you are very passionate about social justice, and I want to I want to get your thoughts and observations about the current climate and the resurgence i would say of the black lives matter movement and what has been happening again i want to make it clear to all of our listeners and we've said this in the past as white women we we need to do work our, we need to do the work ourselves and be the ones to do that education and we should not be looking to our black friends to hold our hands through this type of process and um understand that they have been going through extreme amount of trauma for their entire lives and it's not their job to help us through this with that being said I don't I think it is a disservice for us not to ask you what you have been going through and because you have a history of depression and you are a psychotherapist um, what what kind of uh, maybe emotional landscape have you been feeling and maybe, What are some tips, you know, to our black listeners who have been, you know, really, really take their mental health has taken a toll over this past month. What are some things that you've done to level
2: that? Yeah. You know, that's a really important question. And I thank you for making space for that. You know, I have a lot of emotions that till this day, I'm still not even sure how to put them into words. Um, but i will say that some of the things that i've been doing for myself is resting which is very very important you know I, I i started to just feel so exhausted and i recognized that i was you know black people in this country have been dying forever i wasn't exhausted i'm exhausted by the deaths but i honestly was exhausted more by what felt performative and uh, and this lack of trust to be very honest um you know i think in the midst of me feeling joyful and happy that at some point there's going to have to be a collective shift where people open up their eyes. And I think that that is happening. But I also think as a black woman who has been dealing with this my whole life, right? You know, it's a little sad to see that it took video footage of two black men dying um, for people to, finally say, oh, you guys are right. This is, this actually is happening to you. This actually is your experiencing because watching that, I didn't watch the video, right? But from what I'm seeing, the video is very evident that when you watch it, it's kind of like, there's no way you can justify what took place, right? Um, besides racial discrimination. And so I just think that right now I'm in a place where I've had to do some disconnecting because I also think that there's a part of me, you know, the reality is white systems and white people have failed us for so long that it's like after a week of Black squares and amplifying Black voices, can't, there can't be this expectation of Black people to now be trusting of white people that they're going to continue this fight with us. The only thing that's going to show that is white people continuing to do the work of practicing anti-racism daily um, and showing up. Right? And recognizing what their microaggressions are, recognizing what their implicit biases are, you know, recognizing how they benefit from white privilege, what whiteness is, right? Um, Because I just think that I'm still in this space where I'm not sure, to be very honest, you know? And the reality is, because I've gone my whole life feeling this way, and, you know, with social media, you have some people who, a lot of it is just performative. And even if it's not performative, it's hard to look at it from a different perspective when there's a lack of trust, right? And so I just think right now, the things that I knew that I needed to deal with this was one, like I said, I work full-time and I'm a therapist and I treat primarily black and brown clients. I had to take a week off. I literally was on vacation two weeks ago. I had to take a week off from work because I was just like, right now I need time and space to just sit with how I feel And make sure I'm not projecting that again onto my clients. But I also want to make sure that they have the space that they need in their sessions to talk about how they're feeling without me necessarily monopolizing those sessions or bringing my issues into those sessions. Because at the end of the day, everyone has different perspectives and feelings about what's happening also. Um, So I actually had to take a week off from work. And that's something at the end of the day, if you have PTO, use it. Right. You know, like that's a form of self-care. Another thing was resting. You know, I, for me as a Black woman, I've been doing this work. So there's no, I think what's happening a lot for the Black community as well, that because a lot of this is happening, there's this feeling that we have to do something huge. And it's like, no, you just have to be Black and stay alive because you've been fighting your whole life to be seen and to be heard. And I think what's happening though, is a lot of people are like, well, people are are protesting. Do I have to occupy that lane? Or people out here doing this? Do I have to occupy that lane? And you have to occupy whatever lane fits best for you, right? Um, But understanding as a Black person, staying alive is your advocacy. And so I feel like for Black listeners, it's just it's examining, one, are you resting? Are you t- practicing self-care? Are you also disconnecting? Because one of the things I recognize, too, is I can't continue to um, drain myself by having conversations with people who are determined to remain racist. If that is where you are right now, I, I have to also recognize in the midst of this work, I can't change everyone. People have to come to this collective healing on their own. And so just recognizing areas where... Are you draining yourself trying to change the kind of your oppressor, right? Because at the end of the day, that's healing work that they have to do on themselves. You have to continue to fight up, fight for yourself. You have to continue to show up and be black and stay alive, right? We've been doing this forever. So we know the ropes. I just think a lot of it is just so daunting, exhausting, and you just have to figure out what ways you want to contribute and when it's time for you to disconnect. Sorry, I'm on mute because my dogs are barking and I really want to comment on what you just said.
1: Lola! Okay. Can you hear it? Okay. Oh, you can't? Oh, okay, great. Um, I think that I, what really I mean, one thank you for sharing your thoughts and, and for speaking directly to our black listeners. Like I I feel like it's we have a platform and if we can spread, you know, the words of other powerful black women who have been in this fight for so long who can impart some wisdom to them, that's, you know, what the most we can do at this point in time other than educating ourselves, which we've been really doing, but what you said what, what you said really hit me with performative. Mm -hmm. and i think that really did ripple effect i felt like um people were getting ostracized for not posting too soon and then they were ostracized if they posted too soon because it was just because they had to post a black square so i really urge as as much as we can be so grateful for social media that it really spread like wildfire in the best way possible right now Mm -hmm. we also have to take it off social media now and i think that's hopefully what's what's happening i was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's black and I was telling her about our podcast and how, you know, we, we have, we can be doing a better job with, with diversity and it's really opened our eyes. And And she said, I want to see you in six months. And I want to see you, hear you say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it hits because you feel, you know, it's real like it is. And so that's what we're determined to do. And, and I, I just thank you for, sharing you know how you're feeling and, and and that you took a week off that's that's a big one that's like a very yeah. take time off people if you need it
0: <laughs> yeah um i mean now that we're on the topic i just want to say cuz obviously you know um as we were mentioning we're fearful that this you know this is not a trend and for instance Breonna taylor's name is no longer trending right now and with and her um murderers if you will have not been arrested and the justice has not been served for her so um everyone knows we have a resource list in our link in bio for anti-racist education resources and um donation links and protests or sorry um petitions to sign and everything so please go there and do the work yourself please okay Now that that has been said, because thank you so much. Like, we really, really appreciate you being so transparent and honest and being, like, okay with uh, speaking up on this. Um, But I do want to talk about your social media presence because, one, it's fire. (laughs) And, two, um, you have a lot of, like, mental health, like, resources and quotes and observations and little snippets and kind of, like – what is your strategy with it? What what have you felt has been like really positive aspect of your social media presence?
2: Honestly, I think it's the community that I've built. You know, when I came on, when I started doing this work, like I said, it was an extension of my blog that I incorporated onto Instagram. And the big goal behind it was to advocate and showcase that I'm human. I'm going through this and I want to put it out there so that people recognize that they're not alone because, hey, I'm someone too. And I know what it feels like to be depressed. I know what it feels like to struggle with cutting. I know what it feels like to spend years on antidepressants. I also know what it feels like to come from a community where you're taught that therapy is for weak people or therapy, um, you know, there's better resources out there than going to therapy, right? And I wanted to just, I wanted to normalize experiences and I'm so grateful that it's grown into this community where I see that flourishing. You know, at the end of each of my posts, I try to do a community chat where I'll ask my community um, a question, you know, so that they can engage. Because I don't, I never wanted to just be, as much as I consider myself a mental health, uh, health educator, I also want people to be on this experience with me, right? And so I do my best to stay afloat in comments and things like that. But I always try to do a call to action for people to know that I, your voice matters here too in this space, you know, you're following me and I don't want it to just be one sided. And so I'm just really grateful that it's grown into a community where like, I have some tips that are pretty much like how to reflect on these things. But I like to incorporate More, more tips that are not more posts that aren't necessarily tips, but posts that kind of take in our full humanity, right? Because everything isn't necessarily about how much content can I consume that tells me I need to fix this and I need to work on that. And I need to change this because I don't, I think a lot of the time too, with a lot of these accounts, it can feel like that. And you know, this resource burnout where you start to absorb so much of this content that's saying, if you do this, you, you have this problem. And if you grew up in this type of household, it'll result in this. And there's so much content to absorb that sometimes people can get lost in that. And so I try to correlate like if you go on my page you'll see between like i'll have colorful posts and then i have like my handwritten posts and my handwritten posts are pretty much like my love notes that's what i call them because those are literally the posts that were came from my heart and it's kind of like a journal entry Well, i'll just have like a foot where i'm just like you're worthy i'm worthy you know and we have to take in our full humanity and then i have like another post that reflects more someone okay like these are some actionable things that you can do but i like to go back and forth for the sake of understanding that while you're doing the work, it's also okay to lean in and accept yourself for who you are and where you are within this journey. And I'm just really happy that the community that I've built, um, you know, are open to that.
1: I I love that. And there's something that I think that maybe you'd be a great person to answer this. And it's something potentially selfishly that I'm gonna ask because it's (laughs) something I'm going through in my own life is that I'm feeling a big resistance, right? Like a big resistance to, I have a very detailed morning routine. I have a very detailed night routine. I'm checking in all the time. I'm meditating, I'm journaling, I'm positive affirmation, but I'm praying to God, whatever. And sometimes mm. I'm like, why the fuck do I have to do all of this? Mm. Like it's this resistance to the healing journey. It's It's almost potentially, potentially, I'm not sure maybe an inner thing that I don't deserve joy that because I'm bipolar joy is not my birthright but depression is and so therefore I resist the healing modalities and practices that are given to me even though I do them all the time because I know they make me feel better but there's this aspect of myself that's not surrendering I'm not surrendering to God I am not surrendering to the process as much as I can and so I would love your your perspective on if someone is in a mental health journey. but perhaps they're resisting the healing, the uh, the healing aspect. I, I mean, I I'm not totally resisting, but you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. wh- how would you speak on on that tender moment within battle within yourself?
2: Yeah, I think that's very normal. First, I want to validate that experience because um, I've been there myself, right? And I think a lot of the time, like you you spoke on it too, where I think a lot of that rooted sometime is in this idea that um, we're not deserving of joy, we're not deserving of this whole healthy life. Also with change comes grief. And I think that's often not talked about where when you go through these healing transitions, you're going to have to let go of a lot of these toxic dysfunctional behaviors that you're used to doing and start incorporating these healing practices. And that transitional phase can bring up a lot of grief for people right? Because we have to let go of our old selves to be this new person. Sometimes we have to let go of people to be this new person, right? And so I think a lot of that resistance just comes with, I want to change the word resistance to grief, right? Because I think a lot of the time too, when we're, when we're trying new things, that means we're letting go of something else to make room for this thing, to make room to wake up and say, I'm going to you know, I'm going to lose maybe 15 minutes of my day so that I can wake up and meditate, right? And that's a loss of even sleep, right? But you know, it's something that you need, right? And so I think a lot of the time that ends up happening for people and we have to sit with that grief and we have to sit down and do some self-reflection on that loss that we're feeling. Because I think sometimes that doesn't get normalized through the healing process that you are going to experience grief along the way. You know, and grief isn't only attached to death, um, it's attached to loss. And so what are the things that you're letting go of to make space for this new thing? And what are you holding on to? Right? And it's okay to miss those practices. It's okay to miss those old behaviors, but you're recognizing that those behaviors no longer serve you right? And so when you've been doing something pretty much, let's say your whole life, and now you wake up and you realize this thing is actually a trigger for me, but I have to let it go. This person is a trigger for me and I have to end this friendship or this relationship. That's a huge loss. And that thing played a huge role in defining parts of who you are. And so letting go of that takes a long time. But I think that when we sit with our grief, right, and do some, for example, like gratitude journaling, what am I grateful for through this process of letting go? right? What do I need to make space for in this process of letting go? And also, what do I need? Because even too, with that resistance is like, well, are you forcing yourself into this healing practice? Because maybe this practice also isn't for you, right? Because I think sometimes we learn all these tips and modalities and we think that's how we have to do the healing process and we have to recognize everything isn't for everyone and there's a way to shape what's for you through this process.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's really, I and I think I've done a good job of that, of really tailoring what works for me and what doesn't and really going yeah. with my energy. I think it's just like I'm at that last little 5% where I'm <laughs> like, my ego's like, please stay with me. Like, <laughs> I promise you I'll take care of you in a shitty way, but please stay with me. So that's, that's really, I, I loved how you put all of that. That's beautiful. Yeah.
0: Um. So you mentioned that you are a big reader. So are we. Um, you even have a community called the Literary Social, which is so special. And, you know, I've always had aspirations of becoming a book influencer, but, you know, my time will come one day. Um, but tell us, like, I, I mean, we're huge bibliophiles, so just tell us kind of like what have you been reading lately? What have been some, some books that have sparked your interest? Um, I, before you go, I will – say and i mentioned this on another podcast i just finished such a fun age by kylie reed Mm -hmm. and it is so phenomenal and i just cannot say more good things about this book is she is a this is her first novel a black young writer and it is becoming it is um being turned into a tv show by lena waith which like oh so excited. And um, I really, I wanna encourage everyone to read that book because it is just like the prose and the the messaging and the wittiness and just, oh, amazing. Anyways, okay, so Mina, tell us like what's your reading vibe right now?
2: Yeah. So first I wanna share, ironically, my favorite genre is fiction. I feel like a lot of people come to me for like self-help books and psychology books. I tend to read a lot of journals, um, on ju- online journals when it comes to that type of stuff. But when it comes to reading actual books, I am a huge fiction fan. The recent book that I just read is called The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. And it was one of my favorite books. I love her. I love fell in love with her when she wrote The Mothers. So if you haven't read The Mothers, but you read Vanishing Half, I truly encourage you to read The Mothers. So when she was coming out with The Vanishing Half, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to read it. And for those people who aren't familiar with the premise of the story, basically it's about two Black sisters who, um, they're twins, and they're both light-skinned sisters, but one of the sisters is more fair-skinned. And so she actually passes as white and abandons her family to live um, in a white community, marries a white man. And this book actually takes place like around the 1960s. She, the author jumps between like the 1960s and 80s. So around that time when segregation was still happening, different things like that. Um, the sister who's really black is pretending to be white and inserts herself in white spaces. And when she successfully succeeds, she literally abandons her whole family. And her twin sister basically spends about 20 years trying to find her. And it's such an, like, such an amazing story. And I know like around this time when everyone's trying to rack up their resources on anti-racist books, I highly recommend also, um, I know a lot of these books got sold out, but please don't abandon fiction works because the stories of Black people are also important outside of informative and educational material fiction is also informative and educational um and so this book the vanishing half i just think the best thing i've read
0: oh my god okay yes it is it is literally the next book that i'm reading i'm so stoked i've i've seen it everywhere and i i really agree with you with that sentiment of um you know reading black literature and black authors not necessarily for um you know the heavier topics or what have you or for educational purposes but more so just to you know color your life with different perspectives and experiences and insert some of that like black joy into while you're reading with fiction. So I, I really agree with you and I love that. That's amazing. So what are you trying to do with the literary social? Is this going to be a book club or is it just for you to document uh, the books you've read and review them?
2: Right now, that's what it is where I'm just documenting books that I've read and sharing books with you know, my community. But the goal is to turn it into a book club. So that is actually my next big project that I'm working on. I'm excited. Um, it'll probably start off as a virtual book club, um, but I hope to expand in person at some point, especially when the virus is over and things like that. But yes, that is definitely the goal.
1: Awesome. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I like only read nonfiction for so well, I only read fiction my whole life. And I was, I never read nonfiction ever, 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 ever. I studied literature in college. And then I got on the nonfiction train. And now I'm starting to realize that I can't read nonfiction before I go to bed because it's usually either a self-help book or a business book or a self-development book. And then it makes my brain go, right? I'm like, what's my limiting belief? Or what's my PL or whatever. And so during the week, I try to read a fiction book. And then on the weekends, I read a nonfiction book or if I read during the day. So I like alternate between and then I have like my educational ones, like I'm reading a book on the chakras and I'll just read a chapter every few days when I want to just tap into that. But it's so it's just interesting when you find that fiction books really do serve a purpose and then nonfiction books really do serve a purpose. And they're totally different, but they exercise the mind in such beautifully different ways.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree, especially like, I think too, with when it comes to people of color, our narratives have been kind of stolen from us. And I think it's just very important to highlight Black stories, right? Because I think too, the biases that people hold and the way we're portrayed on TV and things like that, right? When you read a book by a person of color about their community, it opens your eyes to like a world that you haven't seen before. Right. And it even causes you to challenge those biases that you might have because you don't recognize, um, you know, the stories of many people. And so I just love reading fiction. I love
1: that. Should we ask her a question, Maz? Yes. Okay. We ask this for every guest that comes on. Okay. Says we are wondering if you could brag about one thing in your life thus far without being humble, <laughs> what would you brag about?
2: Hmm, that's a very good question. What would I brag about right now? I think I would brag about okay, y'all. I'ma just say it. I hit 84k followers on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yes! yes!
0: Mazzle tough. <laughs> <Mazel tov. laughs>
2: So I'm just, like I said, like, I'm, and not even followers. I just consider it a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have so much that I want to do with my community from conferences to retreats. So the fact that my audience is growing and my community is growing, I, I think a part of me was just like, you know, I think too, we talk about this idea that Instagram uh, numbers don't matter. But the reality is, depending on your goal, it does matter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why this is such a taboo topic for people to just admit that having a large following means something, mm-hmm. you know, um, because people are here for, for something that you're giving them, especially when you you're, it's coming from your whole heart and you know it's attributing to their healing and their their journeys as well. That's meaningful. So for me, it's meaningful because I know, what I'm trying to do for my community, how I'm serving my community, um, and I just want my community to continue to grow because I have so many other offerings that I want to provide. Oh my god! Beautiful. Okay, so I love that. Where
0: can everyone find you so that you can
2: get to 100k?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so you can find me at Mina B. That's M I N A A underscore B. And you can follow my website, www.meanabe.com. On my website, I have two free courses up right now. So they're free mini writing courses. One is on boundaries. One is on um, managing anxiety. And you can also find my essays where I've written a lot of informative content for a variety of blogs like I shared earlier. And for those of you who wanna financially support me as well, I do have a donation link on my website. Um, So that's where you can find me. I love it. You are such a
1: beautiful gem. Thank you for coming on. And you can find us at Ocase's Podcast. Bye, sisters. Sisters. Bye.